Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. We are in the final days of July. The Pittsburgh Steelers have reported to training camp, um, albeit a slightly different training camp. Okay, not slightly, significantly different training camp than the previous 50-some years in which they would have been at St. Vincent College in Latrobe. Uh, instead, they are at Heinz Field and, of course, the Southside facility there in Pittsburgh. Um, and we're going to dive into everything that's going on, will go on, and a whole lot more that is happening um, with the Steelers and around the NFL. And uh, joining me as usual are Ben and Ian. And uh, Ben is recovering from a, a quick power outage uh, out where he is. And uh, thankfully, everything is up and running. Ben, everything's fine now? Yeah, it's fine. So far, so good? There was a moment of panic when I thought my air conditioning wasn't going wasn't gonna to be working for the next few hours. And it's still yes. 95 out. And, Whoa! Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, that, that would have been a little... little that's some heat. With. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, uh, uh, that ninety-five that degree. I mean, twenty-eight percent humidity. So it's like oh, nothing. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not like where you live. No. No. It's where 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 you're sweating before you even hit the doorway. Of course, mm-hmm. then I'm not. It, Texas is far worse, so I'm not going to complain. Um, anyway, and uh, Ian, how are you this fine evening uh, in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania? Doing good. Doing good. The um, Pennsylvania High School Sports Association met yesterday and decided yeah. that they will be having um, high school sports this fall uh, without spectators is one key thing. And they, you know, schools have to follow some very strict regulations, but they did kind of leave it up to the districts as far as when they actually wanted to start sports. Um, mm-hmm. But they're they're allowing them to happen. So um, teams are moving ahead with their plans and figuring out how to comply. So it's uh, it's pretty exciting in the uh, the high school sports realm, which we cover a bit on steelcityblitz.com actually uh on that note exciting yeah. news we have a new sponsor of our uh Whippeal content uh the small player big play app uh which is available um in the app store for both mm-hmm. androids mm-hmm. and uh iphones and uh basically what it is is it enables um people at games whether they be affiliated with a team or not to uh stream broadcast a game kind of like like periscope was for instance um so you could you can stream a game on there that you're attending um and then other people can go on there from sitting at home and uh pay essentially the price of a ticket to watch the game that's being broadcast um and so this is going to be a really big asset for high schools um in our new covid world that um, you know, fans can't go to games, so you can uh, should be able to watch games from home. And the really cool thing about the Small Player Big Play app is that um, it's a fundraising effort with the schools as well. So yes. um, when people go on and subscribe to uh, watch the app, they can put in what school they want to be affiliated with, and about like. 80, 80 to 90 percent of the money they would pay for the app or not for the, not for the app sorry the app is free but what they would pay right. to watch the game actually mm-hmm. goes to the school um so kind of like the price of a ticket when you would buy a ticket to a game the school gets some revenue from that this is just you're doing it over an app instead but the school still gets some revenue so it's an opportunity for schools also to make up potentially some lost ticket revenue this year as well so it's really cool we're really excited to be affiliated with them um check it out it's the small player big play app and um you'll be seeing us talk more about them as we go 
Yeah, and and I, you know, as you illustrated, in the current climate, um, this app could end up being extremely huge for for parents and grandparents and family and friends that want to see uh, kids play. And and the only way they can do it is through this app now, and, and unless you know you have some other way of watching it. But uh, uh, no, very excited to have um, uh, the app with us, and, and looking forward to it. Um, so guys, the Steelers arrived in Pittsburgh this week and, um, look, it's just an incredibly unique situation. What's going on there. Um, the Steelers have had two players go on what is called the reserve COVID-19 list. Um, Arian Springs, who is a cornerback defensive back. And then, uh, Justin Lane, third round draft pick from last year is also on the list. And, and to be clear, it means one of two things. It means that they have either tested positive uh, for the coronavirus or they have come into very close contact or had exposure with someone who, who has tested positive. So we do not want to say that either or both has contracted the virus, but at the same time, obviously, it's something we take pretty seriously. Um, so, Ben... This has led to many players across the league opting out uh, of playing this year. And we were kind of chatting just before we started recording here. Um, we're seeing a lot of guys opt out. And and it's everybody from a guy like Damian Williams, who was a, a star in the Super Bowl just, just this year uh, for the Chiefs, and a lot of guys that would have been last on the roster type guys. Uh, what do you make of these guys that are opting out uh, for this year? Uh, you know, you hit the nail on the head before you talked about there are, for a lot of these guys, there are safety concerns regarding their health yeah. or their family's health, and they want to protect their families. Um, I know I'll butcher his name, but the guy, uh, the guy from Canada, the Chiefs guard, Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Tardif, Tardif. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't I'm know not going to say it right. <laughs> um, he... Is he? He's a medical student. I don't think he's a doctor yet. No, he, I believe he's a full-fledged doctor now. Is he? I don't yeah. know if he passed his boards because he worked as an orderly at a hospital okay. in Canada. Okay. And he decided to take the year off and work in the hospital, helping to to combat this pandemic. And he said it was a difficult decision, but he's doing it. And he's an NFL starter. Mm-hmm. Um. Then you got a lot of other guys. There are some guys that are, are undrafted free agents that have never played it down in the NFL, never never had a day of camp that are opting out. There are a handful of, uh, you know, two or three actually, not even a handful, of street free agents, guys that have bounced around the league for a couple or three years and are opting yeah. out. Um, and, it's you know, they don't say why they're opting out, whether or not it was a medical reason. You know, uh, uh, James Conner and mm-hmm. Cam Hayward, both could opt out and take the medical uh, stipend if they wanted because Connor's a, a cancer survivor and, right. and Hayward has asthma and neither one of them are opting out. And I'm not saying they should or shouldn't mm-hmm. I'm not taking mm-hmm. a position on that. I'm just saying they could um, and they get $350,000 this year versus the 150 for the, they're referring to it as the uh, voluntary opt out. Um, but right. that stipend people need to realize is a salary advance. It's not just free money. It's, it's money Correct. paid out as 
a you know as an advance toward future wages. So my question is, and I'm still unclear on this. Mm-hmm. If you're an, an undrafted free agent and you opt out to take the 150 grand in free money because you probably had a you're probably a long shot to make the team anyway, you have to pay it back. So yeah. It doesn't, doesn't make any sense to me that they would just go ahead and pay these guys 150 grand to do nothing when the chances they were going to make the team were slim to none, frankly, especially in a year like this where they're only going to have like two weeks of actual hitting uh, and, and no preseason games. I don't know how, you know, the, the two czar skippers of the world and, and guys like Ola Denny, those guys have no shot this year. I mean, none and maybe mm-hmm. that's why they opted out they said screw it i don't really have a shot anyway i'm just gonna take the year off and work hard and try again next year i don't know um but it's been uh it's been interesting seeing who can Definitely. opt out and they still have i believe they have until next wednesday i to opt out i think that's correct yeah it was be- seven days from when it was it was fully exercised the agreement was fully exercised between the nflpa and the nfl and i believe it was signed by the nflpa on tuesday of last week and the nfl the following day so yeah i i think you're correct in that because that also begins that that kind of second phase of of this three phase training camp thing um this first week was supposed to almost be strictly um covid testing like three straight days um, the, the final day of it, like next Tuesday, I think was supposed to be get your a- actual, uh, team physical, get your equipment and then come back the next day. And we, we start conditioning and, and doing, a, you know, a little bit more now the, the Steelers, it's, it's no secret, um, Steelers.com. And, and, uh, I think the post-gazette, you know, they've been showing photographs and videos of, of the guys running around Heinz field and, and doing stuff. And, um, I, I don't know. Ian, is that a good idea right now? I mean, these guys are still technically in the testing phase and they're supposed to have three positive tests before they can really do too much. I, I, I don't, I, I hate to play doctor, uh, but, but should they be doing that right now? So I'll play devil's advocate and say sure. that it's safer to be outside running around than it is to be indoors with people. Cause you're at least a little uh, farther away. You get some fresh air and you get a little bit of breeze blowing and, you know, kind of disperses the air around you. So, true. um, you know, to, I, I'm also not a doctor and I'm not even going to try and play <laughs> one on the podcast. Um, so I, I mean, is it a good idea? It's probably better than sitting around in yeah. rooms with people, but, you know, it's and hey, it's about when they would have been starting training camp. Anyways, actually, they probably would have started sooner if the preseason would have happened as normal because they would have had yes. the Hall of Fame game coming up in yes. a few weeks. So, um, you know, it's it's good to get in a rhythm, and especially especially, uh, you know, they said Ben hasn't really thrown full bore yet, but you know, you got to work on the timing with the receivers a little bit too, and even yeah. just tossing the ball around the yard, getting used to you know throwing to guys as they're running is is another thing. So. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, and I, I think that's a great point is is that, you know, the, the initial thought process was that these guys were supposed to just be in virtual type meetings this week outside of, of being at the facility to be tested. So, um, yeah, getting outside is is good. And, and I mean, I, I didn't exactly see them all huddling up or anything like that. So I, I don't think there's too much to, to cry about here. But, um, 
Ben, is your understanding that that with the two players, Springs and, and Justin Lane, uh, do they have to now be quarantined away from everybody for 14 straight days? Is that where they're at right now? Yeah, they have to self-isolate for 14 days. And, uh, you know, obviously the Steelers can't hire a babysitter, but they've been advised yeah. not to be around anyone at all, mm-hmm. in, you know, including their families. Um, so they can't come around their teammates at all. They cannot come around the coaches, the teammates, the trainers, the facility, nothing. Um, uh, and obviously, yeah. you know, they're talking to them. They're they're in contact with them constantly. So, um, and, and I think they can still be part of meetings, things like that, obviously, virtually. Um, but, uh, you know, Mike Tomlin uh, kind of hit the national press today because he, he was asked about this whole thing. And he, he said basically that he told his team, he said, if you fail, we fail. Um, in if reference, one fails, we all fail. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, it's a very blunt, honest, true statement. And you look at, you know, you look across the spectrum right now, you look at what's happening with the Miami Marlins in baseball. Um, they, they literally went from two positive, five positive, seven up into the teens, you know, and uh, now the Buffalo Bills, there's a report tonight that they've had four or five guys go on their reserve COVID list. This is not going to be easy. Um, I mean, Ian, do you, do what are your thoughts that that this season actually happens? Do you, do you think that they're going to get it in or not? I'm hopeful they do. Um, oh sure, oh I, yeah. I think with the, I mean, part of the part of the agreement they came to was sort of a expansion of the ability to bring guys back from injured reserve or not even injured reserve, but the you know the the COVID list. I'll say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, we may see a lot more players go out for a month or so during the, maybe two months during the season, depending on kind of how things work. But um, it's, it, I, I think with. I think Mike Tomlin's key point was if we all follow the protocols and do what we're supposed to do, we can kind of help the season to happen. Um, You know, one of the the things with the Marlins was part of, part of the story, you know, was that a bunch of players kind of left the team facility and went out to a nightclub when they were in Atlanta. And that's kind of how the whole thing started. And I mean, you want to look at an extreme example, look at what the NBA is doing. Like if (laughs) one of the guys had to leave the bubble to like go to a family member's funeral and he had to come back and self isolate for 10 or 14 days after he came back into the bubble. So, I mean, you know, if, if that's what it takes, but you know, this will probably kind of help them be more accountable to each other as a team and, and actually grow as a team if they're all holding each other accountable. And I think that's part of Tomlin's message too, that, you know, we're all in this together and mm-hmm. we got to hold each other accountable that like, if someone calls you up and says, you know, Hey, let's go out and do whatever tonight. Like you got to tell them not only, no, I'm not going with you, but you better not go either. Because if, if one person slips up, then it endangers the whole team. Yeah, and I, I think it was was it Lou uh, Williams in the NBA that that he also had a, a legit reason to leave the bubble, and then of course photos surfaced of him at a strip club. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I look, I, we laugh, but you know what I know? It's gonna happen in the NFL. It might not be a strip club per se, but somebody's gonna gonna do do the opposite of of the other uh, fifty two guys on the roster, and it's not gonna go well. Um, but it, it's just 
again, I keep coming back to it. It's just the world we are we are currently in right now um, with with all this going on. Um, from a football aspect, Ben, the, the Steelers signed uh, Wendell Smallwood this week, uh, running back and uh, a guy that back in 2016 had a, a pretty decent game against the Steelers uh, week three, I believe it was. Um, 76 yards on like 17 carries and a touchdown. Uh, uh, what's, did you, did you see a need for this guy? Uh, did he just come cheap enough? I mean, I think he just came cheap enough. He played in Washington last year and he barely got on the field the year before that. Um, he played well in, in Philly in 2018, Mm -hmm. well enough that he was kind of sought after, you know, uh, fantasy football piece. I don't really true, true. know how to score fantasy, so don't even listen to what I'm saying. But uh, <laughs> based on what I've read, based on what I've read, that's the case. They also signed a corner today who was a key backup for the Raiders last year. He actually started three games. Uh, Curtis Riley, he's a corner. He's 28, uh, started three games for them last year. He's kind of bounced around the league a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine he's going to compete for much playing time, but you know, it's, if there's an opportunity to sign a guy that is going to improve the depth on your unit, you're going to bring him in and you're going to see what you can do. And as in, in particular right now with Justin Lane being out, mm-hmm. you know, and missing two weeks, they need another guy in there. So they went ahead and they grabbed Curtis Riley today and, and they're going to insert him into the mix and see where things go. I feel that all the guys that are coming in off the street and have no idea how the system works, don't know the scheme, don't know the mm-hmm. calls, don't know the verbiage. They're at a tremendous disadvantage this year because you just, you don't have much time to pick that up. And if you, yeah. if you can't assimilate all that information very, very quickly, you're just not going to be the guy this year. They're just going to go, yeah, well, we're going to go with what we know. Um, I, I think that's really going to be the case. I, even the rookies, they're at a huge disadvantage oh, by comparison yeah, to, yeah. to most rookies coming in. You know, most rookies coming in, especially if you're a high pick, you've got a chance to earn playing time as a rookie. This year, nah, not much. You, you're not going to play much for the first month because <laughs> – at least because you're still learning. You're yeah. not really going to know what the heck is going on. You may spend the whole season as Tomlin puts it all the time, trying to catch up with a moving train, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's moving mm-hmm. faster. Everybody's moving forward faster than you can because you don't understand the processes and you're trying to catch up and you may spend the entire season doing that. So it's going to be interesting, man. I, I, I hope you know, you alluded to it before. I hope, obviously, that we have a football season. Yeah. Um, if we have no fans in the stands at all, but we still have football, hey, that's better than no football, man. That's the way you I feel it. about it. I uh, I had planned on going to the Philly game in Pittsburgh this year. Um, uh, events have conspired, and I've I've lost <laughs> my tickets. Um, one one pair from a friend uh, who who went, who decided that he was going to go ahead and give his back to yeah. uh, to the Steelers because a lot of people are going to be disappointed. So he just went ahead and said, "Okay, I'll give you mine." And then and I bought another pair on on NFL Ticket Exchange. Uh-huh. 
They didn't even send me a note and say, yeah, uh, by the way, you're losing your tickets. They just refunded the money. <laughs> Boom. I'm like, well, I bought trip insurance on these tickets. Can I turn those in and get the insurance? Hmm, maybe I should ask. Um, Inquiry anyway, mind. It sucks. Uh, I'm doesn't sound like I'm going to be going to Pittsburgh for the game. Um, there were some other things we wanted to do while we were there. And uh, air travel is kind of a concern at this point. Certainly. I don't know that I necessarily want to do that. We talked about this before on another show where air travel would be a lot more concerning to me than spending three hours in an outdoor stadium with a mask on. I'm Absolutely. much less concerned about that than spending all day on an airplane in an airports, which are filthy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, anyway. I'm totally with you on that. It's going to be a um, weird season, man. That's the point. That's all I was saying. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I, – I, I guess if you put a gun to my head, you know, I, I think there's going to be games. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're, they're going to be able to get through an entire season um, be, because uh, I do think it's going to be fascinating. And, and Ian, I was going to ask you about this. Is this where Kevin Colbert is really going to have to earn his money? Because you literally could be looking to pluck guys off the street um, on, on a daily basis – just to fill holes because you might have guys that are, that are testing positive or are exposed. I mean, is there some truth to that? Yeah, I think there's definitely some truth to that. And I think this also gets to, you know, how, how broadly the Steelers tend to scout, you know, there's been guys that they've brought in. Um, I mean, Minka was a great example, but other yeah. guys they've brought in that they said, oh yeah, you know, we, we talked to this guy at his pro day. We liked him a lot. We met him at the combine and, you know, he just, uh, just became available. So we went out and got him that, you know, they, they scout these guys from the time they're in college, kind of all the way through and Good even point. keep tabs on them when they're in the pros that if they become available, they know the guys they like, and we'll go out and get them. Some of them like Minka work out great. Some of them like, uh, uh, what was his name? Gilbert, the kid that got drafted by Cleveland and then came here for a disastrous oh, Justin year. Gilbert. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, some don't work out. So, um, you know, it is what it is. But they, you know, if they find guys they like, they keep tabs on them. So, and, and I think to Ben's point also, much to the chagrin of Steelers Twitter, you're going to see guys like Jordan Dagerfield and mm-hmm. uh, Dan McCullers and maybe even Marcus Allen make the roster this year just because as Tomlin calls them, they're the been there, done that guys that have played in this defense before, know what the calls are and can get on the field. And I don't want to say execute them, but they can get Mm -hmm. on the field and understand what's going on at least. So, you know, you're, you're probably going to see a lot more veterans make the roster than you maybe typically would in a normal season. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. They're less likely to make those mental mistakes that carry. Yeah, that's, that's true. They're just gonna, I mean, they're going to have a, a higher comfort level with those guys that that know the system. You yep. are listening to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast, excuse me, presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida, serving Broward County and the Southern Palm Beach counties. Whether it's commercial, residential, multifamily, or condos, contact Deck Roofing today by visiting deckroofing.com. Uh you know, the NFL Top 100 came out this week, guys, and I know you were sitting on pins and needles while you were waiting for that, um, much in the same way that Ben sits on pins and needles waiting for the Madden ratings to come out every year. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> the uh, Steelers, uh, I think, what, what do we have? Three guys on that list, TJ and uh, 
Minka and Cam, and that's and, it. And Cam, yeah, and and there was there what there was a report that DeCastro was like one oh two or something like that. I, ben, please share with us your feelings about these rankings. Uh, they don't mean shit. I I <laughs> don't know why people get so upset about it. It's like every year, people get up in arms about how these lists and these ratings are crap and it's like they're crap every year why do you go on about this of course they're crap i mean madden even acknowledges that their ratings yeah. suck their scores suck and they do so by saying yes we're putting these out now but we reserve the right to change these in season as these players show more or show less so you know, the NFL top 100 list is the way that's made. is just dumb. They don't they don't go out and pull the entire league and ask them for their top 20 players. They ask the guys that visit that visit NFL Network Studios to fill out a list of their top yep. 20 players in no particular order. Yep. Just give us your top 20 players. And they, then they take the votes and whoever gets the most votes. That guy's number one, two, three, four, so on and so forth. I can tell you with a great deal of confidence that there are not 100 guys better than David DeCastro, who is the Steelers' best offensive lineman by mm-hmm. far. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you that with certainty. Uh, the fact that Bud Dupree didn't make it shocks the hell out of me. Um, uh, anybody else really notable that that you thought was left off a list? Um you know, Pouncey, huh? Uh, there's Pouncey, always an baby. argument for Pouncey. I, I think it's past him, but but uh, everybody's still. Uh, I I think Pouncey was a serviceable center last year. I think he had a really bad year by Pouncey standards. I agree. Um, you know, I mean, that's not to say he's not a starting caliber center in the mm-hmm. NFL. He mm-hmm. is. Some people just talk about him like he's trash. That's not true. No, he's just not. He's not the dominant guy, or wasn't last year the dominant guy that we're used to seeing. He had a, he had a bad year. He made the Pro Bowl on reputation. It happens. You see it every year. Oh, for um, sure. But yeah, I, Pouncey. I don't know Deontay Johnson. You know, I mean, I maybe maybe not. Um, De Castro for sure. Mm-hmm. Cam Hayward. Uh, uh, to it can't stay healthy so probably not well uh, you know the, the the best thing about the fact that baseball is playing and and soccer and and basketball i think started its season again officially tonight in hockey the best thing isn't necessarily that those things are are on tv now it, it's that sports talk shows no longer have to come up with these ridiculous lists uh, every single day to discuss. Um, and, and so I am glad about that, but, you know, it's like I tell my son with Madden ratings when he, when he says something about how, you know, how can they do that to TJ Watt? He, you know, he's way better than an 85 or whatever they've got. Him. You know, I just tell him, well, they, they do that so he can improve and you get all those extra bonus points or whatever the hell it is on your game, you know? Again, not a big deal. We don't really follow it much. Uh, did I end up seeing Lamar Jackson was rated number one overall? I'm sorry. He's not better than Patrick Mahomes. But, again, these lists are what they are. Um, 
Yeah, Ian, uh, you you were talking about uh, stadiums. Um, yeah, best best place you've seen a football game at any level, and and uh, you, what what is your favorite? Do you, do you have one? Oh boy, that's a it's it's a fun little topic, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I definitely have a, a a soft spot in my heart for Three River Stadium for all the flaws that it had because I you know grew yes. up going to games there. Um, so I mean, wow. I've. I've I've seen a few games at, at Beaver Stadium at Penn State that were, you know, mm-hmm. just packed houses and you know, you're crushed in there like sardines. It's a really cool environment. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, it's, and and we've got some some really cool little, you know, local stadiums here too with high school stadiums too. That, uh-huh. I mean, some big like complexes that are cool, but also, you know, ones that have like railroad tracks going by right next to them. And you can see trains right. go past too that, you know, those, those small little schools have some fun ones too. So um, I, I think if I, I think my dream stadium to see a game in would be the Rose bowl. I just, I've always had an affinity for the Rose bowl. Maybe just growing up watching big 10 football that like, you know, the Rose bowl is the pinnacle. You want to make it there. Right, like right. I'd love to go there sometime, but um, I, I think I'd probably say Beaver stadium has been my favorite one that I've been to. Um, but I, I, there's a lot of cool stadiums that I've been to. Well, it's funny you mentioned the Rose Bowl and wanting to go there. I mean, Michigan's been wanting to go there for 20 years, and that ain't happening. So um, I, I thought I'd slander my my maize and blue there just a little bit. Um, yeah, I guess because I didn't, so you had to. Right, I figured it was coming. Uh, ben, you, you've been to some cool stadiums. I know you went and saw the Steelers in Seattle a couple of years ago, and you've talked about how crazy that was. Uh, wh- where else have you been? Uh, Arrowhead is the best pro stadium I've ever been in. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was that was incredibly loud too. Um, it's an old stadium, but they just keep updating it. Yeah. So you know the amenities are are good. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they're going to need a new stadium there. I mean, I, it's been a while since I've been there, but mm-hmm. they just keep adding to it and updating it and making it better continually. That was a, a really, really nice stadium. Um, yeah. Seattle's a, a nice stadium. No question. Uh, Three rivers was a dumpy stadium, but I agree with that with, with Ian from a sentimental standpoint yeah. that that was, I mean, that place shook. It was so loud. It was, it was fantastic. I loved it and I miss it. And the fact that, you know, that Heinz is open on one end and it lets so much sound out. Yeah. I mean, the idea was that, you know, you'd be able to look out over the water and see whatever. (laughs) (laughs) A a closed stadium would be better in, in my, in my mind. Um, uh, I have not been to the Rose bowl, Ian. Um, the, uh, the football stadium at the university of Arizona is nothing to write home about, um, at all. Yeah. I've been to a lot of games there. Uh, uh, Autzen. It's going to say, you, you make Field. your way to Autzen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, not a great stadium. Um, it's got a reputation for being loud and, and a, a difficult place to play because the fans are so close right. to the field. Um, there is there is no track around it like you see in a lot of uh, college stadiums. Mm-hmm. and uh the the sidelines aren't real wide for lack of a better way to put they're not real deep so the fans are pretty close to the field that part's kind of cool but you know i don't think it's all that great a stadium 
Uh, I'm sure Ducks fans will disagree with me, but they're wrong about a lot of things. <laughs> um, I did see a game at the old Pitt Stadium too, and that was that was nothing to write home about either. I mean, people around here loved it because it was on how campus. How old are you? Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. When did that thing go away? The I was. I mean, they well they moved into Heinz Field when Heinz got built, so that was early 2000s. What? Okay, I thought they played at Three Rivers too for a little while. No. Uh, I don't remember. I, I I saw them. I saw the Pitt play Penn State. I think it was the last year that Pitt Stadium was around. Um, okay. And I'm 34, but not that that matters. Um, actually, I will say the probably the coolest place that I've that I've seen anything happen um, was Bristol Motor Speedway. I went to a few of the night races there, and they have played football games there. They um, have, yeah. And the, the just the way that that nascar track is laid out like a lot of car racing tracks you know i've i've been to indianapolis motor speedway not to see a race but i visited the mm-hmm. museum and walked through some of the track there and stuff yeah that's but, like two like, miles around it, isn't it yeah it's it's so big that you just you can't see like the far end of the track or the far side of the track from the grandstand right. so they have like tvs and, and a lot of tracks are like that you know or things get so small but like bristol's only a half mile track and I mean, they can pack two hundred fifty thousand people into that stadium, mm-hmm. um, and you know it's it's. But there's not a bad seat there because, like, the the track sits down in a bowl so low that, like, even if you're right up against the you know right up against the screen, you can still see the other side of the track. Or if you're way up at the top, you can still see the other side. So right. there's there's not a bad seat in Bristol. And it was it was a really cool place to see. I saw races there, but they've played football games there too. Yeah, I think uh, like Tennessee and Virginia Tech played there a couple years ago. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. Yeah, for me, Lambeau was unbelievable. Um, I, I mean, you, you got to go to a game at Lambeau. It, it's just all – I mean, and, and I was there on December 22nd or December 23rd. I can't remember. Then. Oh, really? Uh, it, it was – well, was that due the to Troy the – Troy ran the fumble back for a touchdown? Yes. No, no, no. No, it wasn't. This was um, just a couple years ago, what, 20, oh, shoot, longer than that now, maybe 2014. When, was that the uh, illegal bat game? Where Was that the, Ziggy Hood that batted the ball? The, and they call, the, It like, was in the snow. Yeah. Both, both teams had, had just long, long shots of making the playoffs, um, and, and neither did, if I can remember, although the, the Packers might have squeaked in. Um, but but uh, Rodgers was hurt, so it was Matt Flynn. And uh, Ben, Ben, of course, played, and we won a thriller. It was like 38-31. Um, but it snowed the whole game. It was about 28 degrees, and, and Ben, you mentioned, was it cold? It was cold, but I had enough um, adult beverages in me where it really didn't matter. Um, but I, I, I just remember going in there, and I remember sitting down, and, and this woman taps me on the shoulder behind me, and I turn around, and, and she's probably – I'm going to guess early seventies and she, she's all in her, her green and, and gold and got, got makeup on. And I'm just a diehard Packers fan. And she says to me, is this your first time at Lambeau? And I said, yeah, yeah, it is. And she says, well, on behalf of all of us, we'd like to welcome you to, to our stadium. And I said, Oh, thank you very much. It's very nice. And she says, I hope you enjoy it. I just want you to know we're going to kick your ass. And <laughs> Respect. I just started, I started laughing, and she says, 
well, did you think I was going to be nice the whole time? And, and, and it was, it was a great experience. I mean, besides the, the, the snow and the cold and everything else, and besides the Steelers winning the game, um, it, it just, it was a great atmosphere. And, um, I, I, I highly recommend if you ever get a chance to go to a game there, do it. Um, of course I've been to Michigan stadium many, many times. Uh, it's completely overblown. Yes. They pack 113,000 people in there, but it's not nearly as difficult a place to play as people make it sound out to be. Um, but that said, but yeah, you, you left there underwhelmed because every time you leave that stadium, you disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had a pretty good run going in the, in the uh, late seventies through the nineties. I had a good run at Michigan stadium where, where we never lost. And, and then um, uh, Dennis Erickson brought his Miami hurricanes into Ann Arbor. They were ranked number one. And I want to say this was 1989. Michigan led 30 to 15 with like six minutes to go and blew it. We gave up 16 points in the final five minutes, lost by one. After that, it's never been the same. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, good good stuff there for sure. Uh, before we uh, uh, start closing things down, I, I did want to go back to another Steelers topic, and, and that Steelers topic is Matt Canada. Um, the Canadias. The, the Canadias, uh, he is officially titled as the quarterback's coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, actually last year, titled as the, what, yes, yes, actually, not officially, actually right. yes, quarterback's yes. coach. And there and, was and, a great need to hire a quarterback's coach. There was, be, because Randy Feigner had taken on both the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach, and it's just too much. It's too much to do. and uh, Especially when you've got two young quarterbacks. Yes. And the lack of individual attention that they're receiving was evident in their play last year. They were terrible. Mm-hmm. They were awful. So my my point is this. A lot of Steelers fans seem to be under the impression that that Canada is there like as this secret agent man to completely redo the Steelers offense or something like that. And I, I'm I, I'm at the point, I have an article ready to go, I think, for tomorrow about this, but uh, ben, you're, you're kind of talking about it. So, I, I mean, why should Steeler fans temper their expectations that he's the guy in waiting and all this other stuff as far as OC? Well, maybe he will be the guy in waiting. But you need to look Could at be. From the big picture standpoint, okay? Yeah. Number one, Ben Roethlisberger is 38 years old. He's not learning a new offense. It ain't happening, okay? No. So they're not changing the scheme this year. Nope. Number two. You look at Tomlin's record as a head coach and what he does when he brings in position coaches. Even Mike Munchak initially didn't have a great deal of pull when constructing the game plan. That grew over time. Okay, And this is a guy who was a head coach, position coach, Hall of Famer as a player. Mm-hmm. Um and basically a, a very good running game coordinator, for lack of a better way of describing it. I mean, that that's what Munchak's strength was. Right. And over time, in particular, when Fickner became the offensive coordinator, because they'd been offensive assistants together and had a lot of conversations, Fickner, Fickner valued his input even more than Todd Haley did. And what, what Munchak did was come in and say, hey, this is what my guys do well. This guy does this well. This guy does this well. And looking at the film, 
of the other team, this is what they have a hard time defending. So why don't we do this? And that mm-hmm. was his input into the game plan. And we should probably discuss kind of the way a game plan is constructed. The offensive assistants get together with the coordinator on Tuesdays and they talk about what they want to do. And Randy's already got a game plan put together in his mind and, and he's presented to them and they say, yes, and let's try this too, or mm-hmm. let's kick this out or let's whatever. And it's up to Randy at the end of the day to decide what he wants to do. Then on Wednesday, he takes that to his starting quarterback, to Ben Roethlisberger and says, hey, here's what we want to do. We're going to do X, Y, Z. And Ben talks about which plays he's most comfortable with. And then they install the game plan on Wednesday. And a lot of those practices, Ben doesn't practice. (laughs) But still, Ben has more say in the game plan than the individual position coaches. And Ben is 38. And Ben has been in the same offense now for what? Seven years? They're not making him learn a new one. And Randy Finkner has job security until Ben retires. I keep telling you guys, he's not getting fired. It isn't going to happen. You can wish for it all you want. It ain't going to happen. And and Matt Canada coming in, he may be an offensive coordinator in the future. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. What I can tell you is this year, given the constructs that are already there and the limited amount of time we have where they're actually going to practice a whole whopping two weeks before the season starts. He's not going to have that much input. It's not going to no, have a good his, point. his words are not going to have that much gravity this year. It just isn't going to happen because no. there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. No, they hired him. They hired him because they needed to hire a quarterbacks coach to give those young quarterbacks individual instruction because they played terrible. They were terrible last year and it was a glaring need and they brought him in because he's a quality coach and who knows he may be the offensive coordinator when Finkner's done and I personally think that as soon as Ben Roethlisberger retires Finkner's done he'll either get retired or he'll retire agreed yeah Ian go ahead and close us out on this topic so you you started by asking you know what evidence do we have that Canada is not the secret OC. And I think it's that, you know, they hired Terrell Austin last year to be a secondary coach slash senior defensive assistant. And we didn't all mm-hmm. of a sudden start running a four, three that Terrell Austin ran for years when he was in Detroit and Cincinnati. <laughs> um, you know, the, the secondary certainly played better with yeah, Terrell well, Austin yeah. as defensive backs coach. Um, but we didn't dramatically change you know, the entire defensive scheme. The secondaries changed their scheme a little bit, played a little more mm-hmm. man-to-man, a little more press, but the whole defensive scheme didn't change. The one place where I think Canada maybe could have some influence is, and they do this a lot more when Ben is under center, but Canada's offenses have always used a lot of pre-snap motion with like multiple players moving and doing some crazy things. Um, and there's limits on what you can do there in the NFL, but I mean, teams yeah. like the Chiefs have really used that to create not only identify defenses for quarterbacks, but create mismatches, um, you know, with getting guys like Tyreek Hill on linebackers or even getting some of their, their running backs in favorable matchups too. So mm-hmm. I could, mm-hmm. I could see, you know, if Feekner or not Feekner, sorry, if, if Canada gets Ben's ear talking about matchups and says, Hey, you know, let's try and, you know, get this guy in a favorable matchup here by sending guys in motion. I, I could see them using more motion in the offense this year. Yeah. But I think that's about the limit of Canada's influence. I think you made a very good point before when you talked about the fact that they already do a lot of motion when Ben's involved. By contrast, last year, they used practically none. 
And the reason they used practically none was those young quarterbacks that couldn't keep track of what was going on in the field. And if you started moving the pieces around, they were going to have no idea where their receivers were when when the ball was snapped. I, I feel strongly that everything that was lacking, everything's the wrong way to put it. 90% of what was lacking in the Steelers last year was caused by the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks were, awful they were a liability and especially at the end of the year sorry duck but at the end of the year before that too Mm -hmm. defenses Mm -hmm. lined up and basically dared our quarterbacks to beat them and it wasn't difficult (laughs) for them to beat our quarterbacks no it it wasn't and you're you're absolutely right and hopefully with a qb coach involved it'll it'll be better they'll get better they they will benefit by it and i i Feel good for those kids, you know, because they needed it. They do. They did. And uh, with that, we'll wrap it up right there. This has been the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. And, hey, go Steelers. Ravens suck.